0: And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. If you would have told me, uh, I don't know, back in August, that on January 11th, You're not going to lead with Packers talk. You're not going to be talking about an upcoming divisional round playoff game. You're going to talk about Brewers. I would have said, oh, man. It's going to be a disappointment of a Packers season. And it was, but I'm not going to lie. Yesterday, we got to talk a little Brewers here on the Wisco Sports Show on WKTY. And I felt, felt guilty. It was so much fun. I had such a blast. And I think this Brewers team right now dare I say it, a little more exciting than the Green Bay Packers? I don't know. Let's talk some Brewers baseball. It is the hot stove league, after all. It is that time of year. A lot of rumors, a lot of things going on, and the Brewers made another move today. We'll get into that here in a minute or two. This is the Wisco Sports Show. I am your host, Grant Bill. 608-796-2558 is the five-star telecom talking text line, and it gets you in. Of course, we are going to talk. We're not going to go without Packers talk today. We will get there eventually, but I want to keep the chatter rolling about Brewers because we ran out of time yesterday as happens so often on only an hour show, talking about the Yasmani Grandal signing. Obviously, it's a big number, eighteen and a quarter million dollars for only a year. Yeah, that makes him the highest paid Brewer, even over Ryan Braun. I know Christian Yelich's contract is is really manageable, so he's not really in that full. Lorenzo Kane getting paid a handsome amount of money as well. Near that eighty million dollar contract, I believe Yasmani Grandal going to make almost $19 nineteen million, eighteen and a half for one year, the highest paid Brewer, and that's. It stirred up a lot of contention, a lot of conflict in Brewers fans, and yeah, I, I think it definitely helps the catching position as much as we like to see Eric Kratz kind of hit well and be that nice story in the playoffs. I mean, look, he he's had one great year. He hasn't been a, a stable, consistent catcher in the league for a long time for a reason, right? So you 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 juice up that battery with an extra bat. Yasmani Grandal hit about 250, a little more, a little less last year. And switch hits most of that power from the left side. You like that combination in Miller Park, but it's just that number. A lot of people have an issue swallowing that big uh, paycheck over the course of one year. And, and we had a conversation yesterday, and I know we had a lot of uh, interaction on the Five Star Telecom Talking Text Line. You know, it's a big number. You know, if the Brewers don't trade him or if they don't win the World Series, it's a waste. It's a lot of money. Look, I I don't care how much money Mark Atanasio is paying out. There's no salary cap. It doesn't affect me as a fan. I'm buying shirts. I'm buying tickets. Right, I'm buying Brewers merchandise and listening to the game and watching the game. The owner should pay for talent. right? The owner should work to put a good t- a good product on the field. My only concern with big contracts comes when they are multi-year contracts. Especially with a guy like Ryan Braun, who's injury-prone, or you just have questions about. And you don't want that big, long-term contract to handcuff, to prevent your team from being flexible down the line. A one-year contract, past this year, it doesn't affect the team at all. And in June and in July... Let's say Osmani Grandal's not playing well. Well, it's not like they can take that $18 million, use it somewhere else. There's no free agency in the middle of the year. That that money's tied up for everyone. So who cares? $18 million, one year and it's done. And we kind of had that conversation yesterday. Well, today the Brewers avoided arbitration with Corey Knable, so they locked him up for another year at just over $5 million. So that's another bargain arm in the bullpen, and that's going to provide them with space to maybe... Address other areas. And that's what I wanted to get talking about as we get the show rolling here on WKTY. What do the Brewers have to do? What positions are lackluster, let's say? Uh, what positions could use a shot in the arm? Or maybe there's a player out there who you just love. And, and maybe the Brewers aren't in dire need at that position, but this is a hot name, this is a hot player, and you want them on the Brewers. Either way, trying to figure that out. I'm not Today, we're not necessarily going to get uh, into specifics in terms of, well, do we, do we like third base? Do we like shortstop? I mean... What do you think the Brewers need? Big picture. And I know the conversation is always going to be driven by you got to get that ace pitcher. you got to get that stud pitcher. you got to get him in here. and I I, I get that conversation. I understand that because that's something the Brewers, let's be honest, haven't really had.'ve they've, they've kind of done it by committee. Yoli Shasin last year, you, you were always confident with him on the mound. He had a great year. I'm not banking on that happening again. Look, Wade Miley, when he got healthy, was awesome, and I trusted him, and he was—he uh, gave Brewers fans comfort going out on the mound, and even in the postseason, well, he's not a Brewer now. He might become a Brewer once again, but I, I wouldn't bank on another pitcher to do that again this year. I think the Brewers have been doing it by committee. They're finding guys who are who they think are about to have a good year, and they're signing them to these one-year deals or these short, short-term deals. And they're not locking themselves up, which is good, but at the same time. Like I said, I don't know if Yolish seen is going to back 2019 up with the kind of campaign he had last season. I think that that's across the board for a lot of pitchers, right? Brewers need some stability in that starting rotation. Or, that's what people say. right? You need that ace. You need that number one arm, that, that stopper, that shutdown pitcher to lead your rotation. That's who you need. I don't know if the Brewers need that, but you would certainly like it. And I think as long as the Brewers have that spot open, meaning... Who's your best pitcher? Well, let's put it in terms that are very, very simple. The Brewers have a one-game playoff. Who are you going to start? If that answer is not obvious, if everybody doesn't say Zach Greinke or CeCe Sabathia, if there's contention and there's discussion, I don't think Brewers fans are going to be happy. Right? I, I think there'll always be a push to get that ace pitcher, and I think rightfully so. Madison Baumgartner has been that name. Madison Baumgartner has been that name. But it's looking less and less likely. About uh, 10 minutes ago, Henry Schulman, who I had to check, it was actually retweeted by Adam McAlvey, who's the Brewers writer for uh, MLB.com, retweeted it. He's the Giants beat writer uh, for the San Francisco Chronicle. And this is what he tweeted out. And this is a quote, a quote from a radio station in the Bay Area this morning. KNBR, sports leader in the Bay and your home of the Giants, it looks like. All right, so this is the quote. Nobody is making any outgoing calls on Madison Bumgarner. If a team calls us about any of our players, we are in a position where we have to listen. He also went on to say that uh, the Giants want to be competitive in 2019, and Bumgarner is a central cog in that, quote, central cog. Uh, He didn't shoot down the John Morosi story, but he also said that Morosi didn't get any information from him. So that's coming directly from the front office of the San Francisco Giants. Madison Bumgarner, maybe. It's a fat maybe, right? We don't know. What other starting pitchers could either be traded for, could be acquired in free agency? I, man, it's going to be an ongoing conversation. It always is. Until you have that ace, until you have that number one guy who would, without question, and without debate, start that one-game wild card because that's always the metric we use, right? To figure out who the ace is. Who would start that one-game wild card game? And last year, we were having that conversation most of the summer. Would it be Shasin? Would it be Miley? Would you start a, a bullpen guy and and ride your bullpen for that game? Until we have a definitive answer. Example, CeCe Sabathia. Or in the past, a guy like Zach Greinke. Until you have that guy, this this isn't going anywhere. And we're going to talk about, all right, who would the starting pitcher be? Who's that ace? Who's that stopper? Who's a guy who can stop a winning streak? Or cool down a hot offense in the opposing dugout? It's just always going to go on until the Brewers make that move. They might, that's a move they may never make. I'm trying to figure out David Stearns. We talked about that yesterday. He might operate differently. He might not feel they need... That starting pitcher. And so far, I think that's the vibe we've gotten. He passed up on guys like you, Darvish, and Jake Arrieta, and and Chris Archer. Or not Chris Archer. That was through a trade, excuse me. You know what I mean. Had opportunities to go get these guys and didn't. Now, part of that is maybe he didn't like the, the money. He didn't like the specific arm. But let's say this. David Stearns has not gone and gotten an ace just to go get an ace and appease that perceived need that there needs to be a... a Ace, that day one starter, that one game wild card starter. So I don't know. I don't know if David Stearns prioritizes that. Now, Brewers fans talk radio, people who tweet, people who text, like on the five star telecom I'm talking text line. That's always the number one priority. And until that hole is filled, that's gonna remain the number one priority. But the Brewers have some holes elsewhere. They for example, they traded away Domingo Santana and Keon Broxton. There's a little bit of a lack in outfield depth. You obviously like your three starters, but past that, I mean, what a great defensive replacement to have in Broxton. What a great pinch hitter Domingo Santana proved to be, even in an up-and-down year where he was struggling to find his role on the team. They had guys to fill those tertiary and secondary roles, even though they weren't starters in that outfield. You still don't really know about third and second base. Travis Shaw's going to be somewhere. Mustakas is still out there. Haven't ruled out a return for Moose. I would love to see it. We all love Keston Hura in the minor leagues. People have said uh, that he is the best homegrown prospect for the Brewers since Ryan Braun. There's obviously a lot of hype, a lot of excitement. But when is he going to be ready, if ever, to play second base for the Brewers? I mean, you, you cannot just wait. You can't start start Nate Orf, right? You can't be starting Tyler Saladino. At least I don't want to be starting T- Tyler Saladino until Hura is ready, if at all, this year. I don't think you want to go in with that uncertainty, and I think Spangenberg was brought in to, to address a little bit of that. Look, I love Orlando Arcia. I want him to be the everyday shortstop for the Milwaukee Brewers, but until he proves that he's consistent with a bat in his hand, we have to have a little doubt. I mean, there's holes. DJ LeMayhew signed, Daniel Murphy signed. What other moves are the Brewers going to need to make this offseason? That's what I'm asking you. That's what I'm trying to figure out myself. If the Brewers' season started today, wh- where would they be lacking? What would they need to address through trades or through their minor league, their farm system? What have you? 608-786-255. That is the five-star telecom talk and text line. I hope everyone's having a great Friday. You're having a good evening. Thanks for tuning in to the Wisco Sports Show. We'll take a quick break. Keep the Brewers talk rolling. I'm enjoying, I'm loving baseball talk. It's January. The Packers aren't in the playoffs and I don't even feel bad about it because we get to talk about an exciting Brewers off season looking towards the 2019 season. More of this conversation coming up next here on WKTY. Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, I forgot. Maybe the biggest announcement, the biggest happening with the Brewers, outside of, of course, Yasmani Grandal, is Billy Joel's coming to Miller Park. That's pretty cool. We uh I got to see Paul McCartney with my family at Miller Park a couple of years ago. If you're questioning, I don't is Miller Park a good venue for a concert? It's it's pretty cool, especially as a Brewers fan. You get we sat up, I believe, in the upper right hand uh bleachers up in right field, so we were aways from the the stage. But to see that stadium not only filled in, in the bleachers, but down on the field, and it, it's it's a really cool atmosphere. Hopefully, we're gonna have some tickets to be giving away through WKTY. So pay attention, keep your ears perked. I'm uh I don't know if I'll if I'll try to check out this concert. Billy Joel at Miller Park. It'd be a cool venue. Billy Joel's not my favorite. I uh story time, a brief story. Uh when I when I used to do play-by-play and color commentary for Menominee football up in Eau Claire, or for a station in Eau Claire, I should say. Uh, we we drove all around the Big Rivers Conference. And we would drive to Rice Lake, Hudson, Chippewa, River Falls, and then uh, up to Superior for conference play because they share the Big Rivers Conference only in football. So we, we had a trip my senior year when we called. Uh, I was doing color and I rode with the play-by-play announcer up to Superior. We're riding up and he's got a real nice car and we're listening to to Sirius XM radio. And at the time, Billy Joel had his own uh, his own XM station, right? So it was. All Billy Joel. And the play by play guy, who's I, I won't I won't call him out, uh, who I used to do games with, loved Billy Joel, huge Billy Joel fan. Had seen him at at places like Yankee Stadium and Fenway, like really big uh Billy Joel fan. And we listened to Billy Joel satellite radio for a combined six hours, five and a half hours to superior and back. And by the end of the car ride, I'm like, man, oh man. Man, I I like Billy Joel, or at least I thought I did, but it starts to wear you out after six hours. So I don't know. I don't know if I'll try to uh try to get over to see Billy Joel at Miller Park. Maybe if David Scrady can finesse me uh finesse us some free tickets, maybe I'll try to go. But that's my Billy Joel uh shtick, I guess. That's my background with uh with the piano man. Oh, and don't forget, even uh, probably a more exciting concert coming up here actually two weeks from tonight, I believe. Yeah, the twenty fifth. The night of the 25th at the Lacrosse Center, Hairball is going to be back. Billy Joel, you know, likes to sing her songwriter on their piano. But look, Hairball's not going to mess around like that. Some rock music, uh, some pyro in the Lacrosse Center, and it's a whole lot of fun. So make sure you check out the Radio Stuff Store link at WKTYSports.com. You want to check out that show or just call the Lacrosse Center box office as well. Uh, a little bit closer, April, late April, I believe, Billy Joel's going to be at Miller Park. Uh, you don't have to wait that long for Hairball. That's coming up two weeks from tonight at the Lacrosse Center. So check it out. 608-796-2558. You want to chime in on the Brewers talk? I would love to have you on the five-star telecom talk and text line. Or on Twitter. Both at WKTY and at Grant. I'm I'm begging the question. I'm asking the question. If the Brewers season started today, today, wh- where would you find a hole or a need? Either on the field or in the lineup, in the bullpen, the starting rotation. What, what would they be lacking? Where would they need to improve before the trade deadline to try to get back to the NLCS? Or push even further... And make it to the World Series. That's the question I am asking. And and I started the show by saying. Look the number one need for this Brewers team. Until they address it. Is always going to be starting pitching. And that's driven by the narrative of. I'm sure David Scrady in the morning. Bill Michaels. I mean that's what people want. And I, I set the example. If there was a one game wild card. Who's starting that game. And if you don't definitively know. Your, your ace isn't good enough. In the eyes of fans. Now I don't know if David Stearns operates under that same logic. Because last year we had to, we were preparing for possibly a one game wild card. And obviously the Brewers caught fire, they surpassed the Cubs, and it was not needed. But in terms of last year, if the Brewers played a one game wild card, let's say against the Rockies, because they didn't win the division, but they got that, that wild card spot. So they're playing to get into the NLDS. Who would the Brewers have started last year? Would they have started Yoli Chasin? That's probably who I would have started, but you also love to think about possibly Wade Miley. Brandon Woodruff, I I don't know if they knew at the time, was also pitching really, really well. Or do you go with a a bullpen day? Do you start a, a guy like Dan Jennings? Do you start Brandon Woodruff? Or maybe Josh Hader? Maybe you get really creative. I don't know. But the fact that that conversation, that that discussion needs to be had, proves that they don't have that ace. They don't have that number one elite pitcher like they did with Zach Granke or CeCe Sabathia or on these few and far between Brewers playoff runs of the last 20 years. And maybe David Stearns. Who I just said. I don't think operates under the same logic that we do. Looked at 2008. Looked at 2011. And said. Hey we had. Two of the best pitchers in baseball that year. And it didn't get us far enough. It didn't accomplish what we wanted to. So maybe he's approaching it differently. I think David Stearns would love to have that number one ace. I think David Stearns would love to have Madison Baumgartner. Or, or like last year. Chris Archer was moved. Jake Arrieta was signed in free agency. Or you Darvish. I think. David Stearns would have loved to have any of those guys, but I think he also understood what it would have taken, either money-wise in a contract as a free agent or trading for a guy. And David Stearns knows, that especially as a GM, that that you're not only brought in to compete for championships, but there's that consistency and longevity factor as well. David Stearns doesn't want to bet the house on one year because that's what Doug Melvin did twice, and it eventually got him ousted as the GM because those that minor success, whether it was just squeaking to the postseason in 2008 or making it to the NLCS and failing in 2011 against the Cardinals, that wasn't enough. And the, the high points of Melvin's tenure as the GM didn't outweigh the low points, which was the rest of the years outside of 2008 and 2011. So I think that's the logic that David Stearns is operating under. I don't think Stearns is anti-starting pitching. I just think it needs to come at the price and... In a manner that's acceptable and manageable for him and the rest of this Brewers franchise. Whether that's trading for Madison Bumgarner, I don't know. I, I passed along uh, that tweet that was saying from Henry Shulman, who's the beat writer for the San Francisco Chronicle, I believe. Uh, yes, the San Francisco Chronicle covers the Giants for them. And he said nobody is making calls, outgoing calls, on Madison Bumgarner. But if a team calls on any of our players, we are in a position where we have to listen. That's their general manager this morning on KNBR. And I think it's interesting, right? The the Giants are in flux right now. The general manager also says they plan to be competitive. And Bumgarner is obviously a big piece of that. But at the same time, if teams call, you need need to listen, like I said. Because at some point, one of these teams is going to be desperate for starting pitching. Whether it's the Cubs, because let's face it, the Cubs starting pitching between Chatwood and Darvish was a little bit worse than everybody expected last year. The Cardinals dealt with a bunch of injuries. And the Brewers just simply said no thanks to to upgrading starting pitching, we're going to ride with our bullpen and try to get it done other ways. Worked for the Brewers. We'll see how the Cardinals bounce back with some healthier arms this year, and we'll see how the Cubs continue to approach, and, and maybe if they can tweak. Now that Darvish contract is pretty tough, as is the Chatwood contract, but I'm sure they would love to add some more. So who's going to get desperate? Who's going to be the guy to actually call on Baumgartner and force the Giants to listen? I don't know. I can tell you one thing. If it requires Corbin Burns or Freddie Peralta, or Brandon Woodruff, I just don't think David Stearns is willing to go there. Because I have seen, through months and months, and I guess years now of precedent, that David Stearns is not willing to part with some of those prospects. And it's worked for him so far, but he's also gotten bailed out by Yoli Shasin having a great year, and Wade Miley having a great year, and Corey Knebel last year getting hot at the right time. Things have gone Stearns' way. At some point, he might have to fork over either money or prospects to really reaffirm this pitching staff on the Brewers team. The five-star telecom talking text line 608-796-2558. Tom says there's not a huge need at any position. I would agree there. I want to know that second base is ready to go. I don't think we need a one right now. I would rather stock the bullpen and wait until the all-star break looking for a blue light special on a number one pitcher. I think, Tom, I, I think I think you're getting it. And I, and I And I agree, and thank you for chiming in. I don't think we need a one right now. That's not a, a, a comment in a conversation that you hear from Brewers fans a lot. It's always, we don't have a starting pitcher, uh, a number one ace, we need to get one. And I think time and, and place and the manner in which this pitcher is going to be acquired, if it ever is acquired by David Stearns, like another Sabathia or another Greinke, it needs to be in the time and the way that is manageable for him and is advantageous to the Brewers. Rather stock the bullpen, which is cheaper, don't get me wrong, and wait until the All-Star break looking for a blue light special. And, and I think that's what it might take. If the Giants are awful, there's no way they don't trade Bumgarner. There's no way. Unless nobody nobody calls for whatever reason, if he pitches bad. But there's no way that the Giants are going to be looking down another losing season and not making the postseason, and they just ride out the last couple of months of Bumgarner's contract. Because not only is Gardner an elite pitcher, which is obviously going to be attractive to teams, but he's a guy who's done it on the biggest stage multiple times. He's not a David Fries type where he had one postseason of all postseasons and forever put his name into lore of the uh, the St. Louis Cardinals. Bumgarner's done it a couple of times. And that championship pedigree, that postseason pedigree is something that teams are going to want, something that teams are going to look after. And, and I cannot imagine that if the Giants aren't contending near the All-Star break, that they're not going to look to shop Bumgarner. So it's going to be the time and the place that these teams, specifically here, the Brewers, and David Stearns, want it. And that's what it's going to take. I don't know, I'm still trying to figure David Stearns out. But if the Giants want Corey Ray, that might be fine, but they're asking for Burns, they're asking for Woodruff, Peralta. I just don't think those are prospects that Stearns wants. Because pitchers like that, and by extension, I'll say Josh Hader and and Corey Knable, those are arms that gives the Brewers flexibility they can lean on their bullpen if they need to. They can move Corbin Burns, which I expect they will, into the starting rotation this year. Those younger arms, a lot of younger arms. Keep Peralta, keep Burns, keep Woodruff instead of trading two of them for one arm. We're going to hold all three because it allows us to be flexible in the way that we manage our starting pitching and our bullpen. And you saw how valuable that bullpen was last year. Look, the Brewers offense went dead in that Dodgers series. I mean, it's just especially by the end, they just weren't hitting the ball. Yelich had gone quiet, and they were pitching around him. Kane couldn't put the bat on the ball. Aguilar couldn't put the bat on the ball. Arcia was their one hotspot, and he was their worst hitter all year. The Brewers' offense went quiet, but their bullpen and their pitching staff absolutely raged throughout the postseason and kept them in it, whether it was Shasin starting, but most of the time it was that bullpen, and Corey Knable got hot at the right time, which was I was happy to see they avoided arbitration. Corey Knable sticking around for at least one more year at just uh, about five and a quarter million dollars. And that's the flexibility. More elite arms versus one elite starting pitcher. And and the Brewers started saying out-getters instead of pitchers. And it got obnoxious, in my opinion. But I think it's really true. We don't need to, to compartmentalize between starting pitching and bullpen pitching and, and then somebody in the middle. We just have a bunch of pitchers. And we want as many good pitchers as possible because that gives us flexibility to stock our rotation, stock our bullpen, and win in a way that's advantageous to the Brewers. Not playing by the mold, the age-old mold of you need a one, two, and a three in the rotation, you need a setup man and a closer, figure everything else out. No, 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 We want a couple of lead arms that are versatile in our bullpen. Hater can close, Hater can come in in the fifth, and so can everyone else in between. Corbin Burns gives you that long relief arm, although I think he might move. We'll see what Woodruff does and Peralta does. Very flexible, very versatile pitching staff, and it allows the Brewers to play in a way that might be more advantageous for a small market team. I wouldn't hold my breath on a starting pitcher and I think like Tom said on the five star telecom talking text line it's going to need to come at a time and a place and in a way that's advantageous to the Brewers like a blue light special as he referred to it as near the trade deadline. Team that just is looking to unload a pitcher and that might be the case with the Giants and Baumgartner. We don't know. JD says I would toss Peralta in a trade for Baumgartner. I think his ceiling is only so high unless he gets that third pitch figured out. Woodruff and Burns are absolutely off limits. I would say Burns is off limits. I'm not Super close fisted on Woodruff. I think he had a great year. I'm excited to see what he does this year, JD. I think if he pitches this year like he did last year in ex- in an expanded role, I think he's off-limits too because I think he'd be a good pitcher who adds some versatility to that pitching staff. Either out of the bullpen, he can do a pinch start, or you can turn him into a starter. Oh, but I like what you said. Peralta is probably the, the arm of the three of those that I'm least high on. I need to see more of Freddy Peralta. He's got an issue with command and walking, but you say he doesn't have that third pitch figured out maybe Peralta is that guy who slides into the bullpen and takes the role of Corbin Burns, who is obviously has more pitches because Hayter has two pitches. Jeffers has two pitches and sometimes only one or two of them are working. So maybe they, they see Peralta as a fit in the bullpen gives them some flexibility, even if he only has two pitches, mostly fastball and slider in Peralta's case. I'm interested to see how they assemble this pitching staff as a whole. Let's not compartmentalize between starters and bullpen. It's a pitching staff. And if last year was any indication, I think the Brewers are going to try to get flexible and be versatile in the way that they get outs. And I think for a small market team who has limits in how many prospects they can fork over and how much money they can fork over, it's probably the right way to do it. And I think David Stearns is thinking along those lines as well. Packers talk coming up next. Can you believe it? It is January 11th. We are in La Crosse, Wisconsin, and we are leading with Brewers. How lucky are we? Now, we're not lucky in the Packers' sake because they, they're on the playoffs. Don't worry about that. I'm, I'm still frustrated about that. But a couple of things we got to cover, including some official announcements made by the Packers today. We all saw it coming, but now we can officially stamp it. It can be booked. All the I's dotted, the T's crossed. We'll talk about that coming up next as we uh, wrap up the week. You're on the Wisco Sports Show. You're listening to WKTY. <laughs> Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY, 96.7 FM, 580 AM, streaming live at WKTYsports.com. And on our mobile app as well. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for jumping on, hanging out. Hope you're having a good night. Busy night here on WKTY on Alaska and Central. That game tips off at 7.15. Drew Kelly will bring us the call. And that, I'm excited. Not every high school game tips and piques my interest. Central's 9-1. They're number two in the AP. On Alaska is 10-1. They are number four. This is as good as you're going to get in terms of matchups in the MVC. So that's tonight at 7.15. And then Bucks play the Wizards at 6 o'clock. So right when this wraps up, if you want to hear the Bucks, that's over on Wisdom, 92.3 FM and 14.10 AM. A lot going on. And that's going to continue through the weekend as well. A lot of NFL. The Bucks have more games. The Badgers are playing. So we'll talk about that coming up here in about 10 minutes. What are we most excited about this weekend? What are we paying attention to? Right now, we, we do have to. And when I started the show, I said, if you would have told me couple months ago that we'd be talking Brewers to lead a show early January. Two things. The Packers must have really stunk and the Brewers must be really good. And it is fun to talk Brewers. But we do have to touch on a couple of Packers topics. Haven't talked about football yet Are you ready for some football? Yeah. um, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. We do have to talk some football. Uh, The Packers made official today what we all... Had started to expect and assume. They're bringing back Mike Pettin. They announced it officially. The Packers. Not reports. Not rumors. They are doing it. It's been released by the team. And I love it for a couple of reasons. And I'm not just being a homer. Look. The Packers defense was underwhelming this year. They were good at times. And they flashed. But they were underwhelming for the most part. There wasn't. A game or an instance, I think maybe outside of the Washington game, where you looked at the defense and said, hey, they didn't give Aaron Rodgers a chance to win. I I thought the defense gave Aaron Rodgers a chance to win every single game they were in. And before the season and for years, that's all we've been asking for. Don't need a top five or a top 10 defense. If you can get into the top half of the league, Aaron Rodgers will do the rest. And despite the injuries, despite everything they dealt with on the defensive side of the ball this year in terms of trades and cuts, I think they were pretty damn good, and I thought that this defensive staff under Mike Pettin discovered a couple players like Tyler Lancaster, like Tony Brown, who might be players moving forward. There's a couple of reasons I like Mike Pettin sticking around, and, and I think there's this, this misnomer or this narrative right now with some Packers fans, and this is what Scraty hates. You heard Scraty a couple of seconds ago. This is what Scraty hates is when Packers fans blindly defend and blindly love every move that their team makes. And I don't love this just because the Packers did it. I don't love it just because I love Mike Patton. I think it makes a whole lot of sense for a couple of reasons. Number one, Malafleur is a first-year head coach. Now, he might know every X and O in the book in terms of offensive play calling and quarterbacks and running backs, receivers, offensive line. He might even be an expert on the defensive side of the ball. He knows way more about defense and football than I will ever know, right? But when you jump from a coordinator to a head coach, you are in charge of, oh my God, it's not even close to the same, right? Now you're in charge of how long do we practice? When and where do we practice? What's the schedule going to look like? When we travel, what are how and when and where and, and what are the logistics behind everything, right? You're addressing the team. You are planning activities and events. So much now falls under Matt LaFleur's umbrella of responsibility that didn't before. Matt LaFleur might be, perfectly equipped to handle the coaching side this year. But in terms of all those extra responsibilities and the logistics of running a football team, it's going to be his first time. And to have a guy like Mike Pettin, who's not only been around the league for a while and has been a head coach in Cleveland in a bad situation, and for the most part up until this last year was the last successful head coach, successful relative, obviously, in Cleveland. I believe they went 7-9. and nine. I believe. Maybe it wasn't that good. But he had it like an average season in Cleveland, which is way better than anybody else can say over the last couple of years. Mike Patton also worked with Rex Ryan and other head coaches of of great stature and who had careers. So he's seen head coaches do it in the past. He's been a head coach in the past and he can help out Matt LaFleur with whatever problems and logistics he might be struggling with. I just think he's going to be a good guy to have on hand. Number two, Mike Patton jumped off the page to me this year, not for what I saw in the field, although I was impressed a lot in terms of, especially when he got guys open to rush the passer all year long. And still, last offseason, this previous season, and this offseason, the the talk has been, you got to get a pass rusher, got to get a pass rusher, got to get an outside guy who can get around and rush the passer. Well, the Packers were in the upper, like, 10% of the league in terms of getting sacks, getting pressure on the quarterback. And a lot of that was to do with the scheme. And Mike Pettin, scheming guys, designing plays to get guys free to rush the quarterback. And when you got guys like Eddie Pleasant, free shot at Mitch Trubisky and missing it, look, that's not Mike Pettin's fault. He put his players in good position throughout the season. And between you and me, I don't know what you have to think, but I prefer when our defense lines up all 11 guys on the field, right? And that was that was something that never happened under Dom Capers. You'd have 10 guys out there, balls being snapped, dudes are shifting trying to figure out. Look, it looked like a more organized product this year. People were more confident in where and when and how to line up and what scheme to run. Now, maybe it wasn't always executed, and part of that was due to just lackluster play at some positions due to injuries and due to trades and due to players being cut as Brian Gudekins tries to reshape this roster. But one thing you always heard about Mike Patton outside of the actual play on the field was high praise from guys like Aaron Rodgers, HaHa Clinton Dixon, Tremont Williams. Some of the guys, I mean, I don't remember the quote exactly saying he's the best defensive coordinator I've ever had. He commanded respect and he commanded, uh, he, he established credibility for himself from a guy like Aaron Rodgers who's been really tough to coach. Apparently he's got a big ego, right? Smartest guy in the room. It's what everybody keeps saying. I hate saying that, but. Earned the respect of a guy like Mike Pettin. He's a leader of men. And I just think that that's where a coordinator or a coach has to start. You can, everybody knows the X's and O's. Everybody knows uh, how to draw up a defense on a whiteboard. How do you instill that in your players? First of all, how do you pass along that knowledge in a way that they can remember and execute later? But how do you do it in a way that the players take it with a purpose and with a passion and with motivation to go out and play for you. And I think Mike Petton is that guy. from From stuff that we've heard, from stuff that we've read. I'm not, I'm not speculating, right? I haven't been in that locker room. I'm not assuming. That's just what we've heard. I'm just rehashing that. And I think that's a big piece. And I think Mike Petton working hand in hand with Matt Lafleur, a guy who's seems to be a, a, a wonderkind and in, in younger than most head coaches are at 39 got his stuff figured out in terms of X's and O's, how is he going to pass that along? How is he going to instill that in his players? And I think Mike Patton can be a big part of that. And I liked what he had to say, uh, LaFleur that is, when the announcement came out today, talking about how they share a vision for how this football team is going to be handled. Because Mike Patton can be a great coordinator, he'd be a great leader of men, and Matt LaFleur can be a great coach and a great leader of men. But if they don't want to run the team the same way, and logistically line up and organize a team in the same way and take the same approach, they might not mesh. Just because two good coaches are good coaches doesn't mean they're going to mesh with each other. And they, they talked about how they shared that vision. They want to go about things in similar ways, so they're going to they're going to match. I think Pettin's going to be an asset for Matt LaFleur in his first year as coach of the Green Bay Packers. 608-796-2558 is the five-star telecom talking text line. You want to join in on the conversation. Let it rip. Give me a call or a text. We can talk about it. Twitter's always open as well, at Grant and at WKTY. Uh, I, I think as the off season rolls on, Something that we're going to have to talk about as well with Matt LaFleur is what are the expectations? What's next year going to look like? What is the season after going to look like? Because they gave him a multi-year deal with an option at the end. What is Matt LaFleur going to be expected to do next year in terms of wins and losses? And by an extension of that, getting to the postseason or not, winning postseason games or not, I just feel like there's not going to be a, a very long leash. Aaron Rodgers' window is closing fast. And I know everybody's picking up on that narrative now. I, I thought that three years ago when Ted Thompson was <laughs> trading back out of the first round and refusing to sign free agents. I, this window's been closing for me for a long time. And a lot of you Packer fans have been getting antsy for the last couple of years as well, rightfully so. And now we're at a position where what kind of things are going to be expected? What kind of numbers and wins or losses are expected from Matt LaFleur here in the coming years? Something that I picked out of that press conference that I thought was really, really interesting was Mark Murphy's introduction of Matt LaFleur. He could have said a lot of things. And Mark Murphy loves to talk. I think we've noticed that. He likes to tell stories. He likes to use a little bit of humor and entertaining a room. He could have said a lot of things. He could have said, Matt Matt is a bright young guy. We're excited to rebuild a culture here in Green Bay. He could have said that. He could have said, these players are going to listen to Matt. He is going to be a leader of men, and he's got his stuff figured out. He could have said that. He didn't. He said something else. And this was his opening statement, his introductory statement from the press conference on Wednesday, I believe it was. Yes, Wednesday Take a listen and see if you pick out the things that I pick out. All right, Matt. So, it's been two two long years here in Green Bay. We are ready to get back winning. And uh, it is my pleasure to introduce Matt LaFleur as the 15th head coach of the Green Bay Packers in our 100th season. Matt? Okay, two things I want to take away from that. Number one, let's, let's start with the end while it's fresh. It's been two long years, meaning the Packers haven't been in the postseason, they've been losing, and then compare that to what he says at the end, Packers have been around for 100 years. The Packers, this is not new. They're not an expansion team from the late 90s. They have been around for a century. Had a lot of good seasons. They've had a lot of bad seasons. It's kind of in stretches, right? Mark Murphy says it's been two long years. We're ready to get back to winning. Two long years. I don't know about Packers fans. I don't know about other teams. But the Browns would probably kill for the last two years that the Packers just had. The Raiders now would probably kill to finish a year seven and nine, which is pretty similar to where the Packers have been the last two years. I don't know the tie complicates this last year's record, but it's been two long years. We're ready to get back to winning. We've been around for a hundred years, but these last two, even with the perspective of a century, have been tough. And we're not going to stand for it because we fired our coach, we fired our GM, we restructured our front office. We're ready to get back to winning. Something that I think about before I go to bed, when I'm driving my car, maybe when I'm brushing my teeth, is just, man, oh, man. What's going to be expected by that front office and Brian Gutekunst and Russ Ball, Mark Murphy? What's going to be expected of Matt LaFleur from that group, from that leadership group? What's it going to take next year for that front office to have confidence in LaFleur moving forward, or in the second year, or in the third, if there is a third Think about that. That's going to be a question that we're going to talk about, a, a conversation that we're going to continue to have over the offseason as we maybe start to speculate on what's on the horizon for this Green Bay team. Not to leave you in a in a mysterious and uncomfortable and unnerving stance on Matt LaFleur, but it's it's something to think about. Packers got the new coach. We all seem to like him. We all seem to have some some questions and some enthusiasm. I think with any coaching change, you'll have both of those things. What's going to be expected? What's going to be needed from him? to continue his career in Green Bay past the next handful of years because they didn't finish out McCarthy's contract, remember? They let him go early. They didn't extend him. Malafleur, hopefully you don't see the same thing, at least right away. But the Packers aren't afraid if if they like said it's two long years, ready to get back to winning. We'll see what there is approach uh, and what is expected of Matt LaFleur after his first year and as we move into the start of the LaFleur tenure in Green Bay. When we come back, I, I got some questions to ask. We got a lot of things going on coming up this weekend, and I'll uh, fill you in one more time on the local action tonight because we've got some texts, we've got some calls here to the station asking what's going on. Yes, we have a very big local basketball game tonight we're covering, and I'll give you more details. And what else are we looking at this upcoming weekend? What are we prioritizing as Wisconsin sports fans? Let's come to a consensus here as we wrap up the Wisco Sports Show. With me, your host, Grant Bills on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I'm your host, Graham Bills. Hope you had a great week. Starting to wrap things up. Look forward to the weekend. But the action isn't going to stop here on WKTY in about eight minutes when I sign off for the week. Tonight, don't forget Central and On Alaska squaring off 715 tip here on WKTY. Drew Kelly with the call. And it's, I mean, it's as highly billed a matchup in the MVC as you're going to get all regular season long. Central's 9-1, number two in the AP. We all know what they bring to the table, but On is no slouch either at 10 to 1, 10 and 1, excuse me, number four in the AP poll. And this is a conference matchup in early January. We're pretty blessed with some awesome basketball here in the MVC, the Mountain Valley Conference. And the Bucks. We're also blessed with great basketball at the NBA level as well. well. They're taking on the Wizards tonight, and that game actually tips at 6 o'clock over on our sister station, WIZM. 92.3 FM, 14.10 AM, so you can check that out there. As we look toward the weekend, I'm trying to figure out, because we're in a state of flux right now as Wisconsin sports fans. We're without our Brewers, who were definitely the darlings, the best team of 2018, if we had to pick. Now, the are are killing it. Not everyone's an NBA fan, and I understand that. And even so, the urgency of the NBA doesn't get kicked up until the All-Star break and then into the playoffs. There's 82 regular season games. Some are better than others. Tonight, they play the Wizards. Giannis is sitting. It's not an incredibly intriguing matchup. So we kind of wait on the Packers to come back, and we wait for the Brewers to come back. Obviously, pitchers and catchers report next month. What are we prioritizing right now? So this weekend, we got a lot of stuff going on. We have Central on Alaska tonight. We have the Bucs and the Hawks tomorrow, Bucks and the Wizards tonight. Badgers and Purdue, uh, Wisconsin and Purdue plays in basketball tonight. And then there's a bunch of NFL games. Obviously, it's a division round this weekend. You can hear all these games on WKTY. 3 o'clock tomorrow, the Colts and the Chiefs. All of these games, one more time, you can hear on WKTY. Check out our schedule at WKTYsports.com if you need more details. Uh, the late game tomorrow is at 7.15. That'll be the Cowboys and the Rams. And then on Sunday... Starting at noon, the Chargers and the Patriots actually 12 05. They gotta make it different in the playoffs, I guess. And Eagles and Saints at 340. So that'd be the late game. All those games on WKTY, maybe those interest you. Maybe that's what you're looking forward to this weekend. And then, of course, the Packers are gonna continue to put together this coaching staff. They have some uh some rumors right now between Nathaniel Hackett, maybe as an offensive coordinator, or Todd Monkin as an offensive coordinator under Matt LaFleur. I- I'm not gonna lie. I love the idea of Todd Monk not because I know anything about him, not because I know his scheme, not because I I, I literally know nothing about him other than he was uh, being considered for a lot of head coaching positions around the league. And any time that you can get a guy who is going to be a head coach as a coordinator, I, I feel like that's good, right? That That's logic. Like that's, that's, that's smart. That That's something that you want, right? And overqualified. Okay. That's, that's just sarcasm. We don't need that. Uh, yeah, I know. It's good logic. A guy who has head coaching standards, but you can get him on your staff, not as your head coach. I think that's that's good, right? So I let's go with Todd Monk, Todd Monk and I'm going to read more about all these guys and, and try to figure out maybe who will be added to this Packers coaching staff in the coming days over this weekend. So there's a lot going on. What are we prioritizing? It's really funny because in my lifetime as a Wisconsin sports fan, I've gone through many phases. Obviously in 2014 and in 2015 when the Badgers were making Final Fours and going to the National Championship game, that was pretty high on the list. Not going to lie, 2011 and 2018, the two deep playoff runs that the Brewers have made in recent years and in my lifetime, that's about as exciting as you get. The Packers winning the Super Bowl in 2010 and, and making some NFC Championship games as well in my lifetime. I, I don't know what team is my favorite. I always find myself in a position where I'm watching the Packers and I'm like, man, screw the Brewers, screw the Badgers, screw the Bucks. This I, I am 100% a Packer fan. This is my number one team. And that's what I love. And then brewer season rolls around and I completely change my, <laughs> changes my mind, right? So I think we kind of ebb and flow with our priorities. Well, what would you, what are you paying the most attention to? I'm excited for NFL football this weekend, simply because the division round only comes once a year. There's a good slate of games. We've kind of separated the men from the boys last week. Houston, I don't know why, just always underwhelms in the postseason. So we, had, we got the likes of Houston out of there and Seattle. <laughs> and we got some good teams, all with good quarterbacks this weekend. Uh, and, and that only comes once year. I'm excited about that. Central on Alaska tonight, honestly, is one of the things that I'm most interested in. Because if Central blows out on Alaska, w- w- the narrative is continuing where, well, Central might be the best team in the state. Uh, and this conference is just going to be a pushover a couple of weeks for them. But if on Alaska beats Central, you're all of a sudden, all right, pump the brakes, hold on. Central might not even be the, be the best team in their own conference, let alone in the state. So I think there's a lot riding on this game tonight. Once again, you can hear it on WKTY. What do we love? What are we prioritizing? I'm trying to figure out as well. Jason Breacher texts in and says, Granny, you're going to features in Holman Saturday, the nineteenth, four to six with David Scraty, so your fans can meet you. Man, I Jason, I don't know about that. I don't know if any fans are looking to meet me. I will be there, though. I'm gonna rip down there with Dave and Scraty on the 19th, and it should be a good time. Plus, I I it's been a while since I've been out to features. So Breacher, if you were there, I will be there. Uh and I would love to uh to share a Brewski. And some food out at Features. It should be a great time celebrating two years. Dave and Scraty together. Isn't that romantic? Isn't that lovely? Two years together. Uh, the Dave and Scraty events. We're going to be celebrating that as well. What are we prioritizing? What are we focusing on Central and Alaska tonight? You can hear that on WKTY. Bucks are playing uh, Bucks playing the Wizards over on Wisdom tonight. Badgers and Purdue tonight. NFL games this weekend. A lot going on. Uh, and we're going to talk about it all next week. I don't know what I'm most interested in. I think my priority is going to be the NFL and probably what the Packers are going to be doing in terms of their head coaching search. Well, not their head coaching search, but supplementing their staff, right? Finding an offensive coordinator, Todd Monk and Nathaniel Hackett right now are two hot names, and we're all trying to scramble and learn about them. Because let's be honest, nobody... I, We, we don't focus and we don't read on, like, underling assistants around the NFL. So as the Packers interview guys, we'll check them out, we'll read, and, and we'll see what happens. I know the hot conversation was, we want guys out of the Shanahan tree, we want people like LaFleur. I'm actually of the other opinion that he should find guys with different offensive mindsets and different systems because that leads to more diverse ideas. And I think competition breeds success. Uh, so the better idea will come about. So we'll we'll see what kind of staff LaFleur puts together. And maybe Pettin is allowed to tweak his staff as well. Because last year he was brought in under an interesting circumstance to replace Dom Capers. A lot of the same bodies on that roster. Joe Witt Jr. is obviously pretty popular. Uh, Winston Moss has moved on, so we'll see if he makes any tweaks to that uh, roster as well. A lot to pay attention to with the Packers, even though they're not playing this weekend. Even though they're not playing. So, a lot of conversation and discourse to be had about that next weekend. One more reminder, this weekend on WKTY, Colts Chiefs, tomorrow at 3.30. Cowboys Rams at 7.15. Those are your Saturday games. And then Sunday, you got Chargers Patriots at noon. 12.05 actually, because it's the playoffs and they gotta make it a pain in the butt. And then Eagles Saints at 3.40. So there's no Nate night game on Sunday. Got to be up and at them at noon, ready to watch some football. You can hear all those games on WKTY. And check out our schedule uh, uh, at WKTYsports.com. All of our programming can be found there, even if we're pushing games over to Wisdom. We have the details on that as well. So enjoy all the division around football this weekend. Enjoy the Brewers' hot stove, the Packers, as they put their staff together. A lot to pay attention to. And tune in for Central Onalaska tonight, seven fifteen with Drew Kelly. It's going to be a huge game between two highly ranked teams. So enjoy everything this weekend. Talk to you Monday.